democracy. Hello and welcome to Watching China in Europe. I'm your host, Noah Barkin, and today I'm really pleased to have as my guest Christoph Heusken, who is Germany's ambassador to the United Nations, and before that, of course, served as chief foreign policy advisor to Chancellor Angela Merkel for nearly 12 years. Uh, we've known each other since you came back to, the, to work in the chancellery back in 2006. Uh, the world was a very different place back then, nicer in many ways. Um, but it's great to uh, reconnect. Ambassador, thanks uh, so much for joining me. Wonderful to, to be with you again, uh, Noah. So we're here to talk about China, and our conversation is happening on the same day that you and your American and British counterparts at the UN participated in an event to raise awareness about the human rights situation in Xinjiang. Xinjiang is the region in Western China where roughly a million Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities are, according to highly credible reports, over a period of several years now, being kept in detention camps and subject to forced labor and other abuses. Um, in your remarks at the event, you asked China to, quote, tear down the detention camps, uh, end quote, and to grant the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights unimpeded access to the region. Uh, in, in recent days, China has called this event an insult. It tried to have it canceled. It put pressure on other countries not to attend. Uh, you went ahead anyway, and your remarks at the event were, were quite strong. Um, this is not what, what I've come to expect from German diplomats, uh, especially when they're talking about China. Well, I'm surprised that you are surprised um, when you look at... Um, you know, the Germany in the Security Council over the last uh, two years and Germany here at the UN, uh, Germany in general. For us, the um, international rules-based order, multilateralism, is um, at the center of our foreign policy. And um, uh, human rights, um, humanitarian law um, are part of it. And um, we have um, on several occasions um, in the Security Council in this so-called third committee, which is the Human Rights Committee of the um, United Nations. We have raised um, the um, issue of um, human rights, in particular uh, Xinjiang, and we have a long tradition, so to speak, uh, to do that together with our um, American and, and British friends. And uh, the event that we had today together with the um, Amnesty International, with, um, um, with um, Human Rights Watch, um, is in the logic of um, our policy of what we have highlighted in the last years here in, in, in New York. Mm. Well, in the past, we have seen a lot of self-censorship in Europe and elsewhere when it comes to human rights and, and China. Um, but my sense is that you have become more outspoken on some of these issues. Uh, and I'd like to play a short clip of your remarks back in December to the UN Security Council uh, when you called for the release of two Canadian citizens who have been sitting in a prison in China for over two years now. Let me end my tenure in the Security Council by appealing to my Chinese colleagues to ask Beijing for the release of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spaber. 
Christmas is the right moment for such a gesture. The Chinese ambassador to the UN responded to that by saying good riddance to you as a member of the Security Council. Uh, Germany's temporary seat on the council came to an end at the end of last year. I'm curious how you have experienced China at the UN since coming to New York four years ago, which of course was shortly after Donald Trump came into office and began pulling the US out of multilateral institutions and, and engagement. It's, China has developed a lot. Um, China, um, when uh, Chancellor Merkel started um, her period, her office in, at the end of 2005, 2006, there was a different president, President Hu, um, the Prime Minister um, Wen Jiabao, and today we have President Xi, and President Xi um, represents a different um, policy from the policy that we saw before. It is a, a policy that is um, much more centered on the president. It is um, centered very much on the Communist Party. It's very much centered on, um, um, on um, Chinese um, policy, Chinese ideas. And uh, China has become much more self-confident at the UN. Um, you can see this, that um, uh, the Chinese ambassador, the Chinese mission is uh, more often taking the floor, taking specific um, positions. And uh, what, um, on the one hand, of course, it is very positive. China is, um, without any doubt, a very important player. Look at the overall um, you know, economy, the GDP, look at the population. Um, and it's very good that they play an important role in the UN. Um, what is right now um, the, the issue? And this is also reflected in our um, uh, event that we conducted today is that China has a different approach to um, the, the rules of the UN. And this is the following. Um, for, for China, national sovereignty is key. That is that um, for them to um, actually now mention and highlight wrongdoings, um, you know, what is happening um, in Xinjiang, um, what, uh, when they are committing as uh, today um, in our event, for instance, the, um, the head of um, Human Rights Watch said, you know, highlighting that there are clearly crimes against humanity committed. They don't like that um, other countries look at that, highlight that and try to, to change it. Um, what is, of course, um, the general view, and I specifically say it's not the Western view, it's the general view, is that the Universal Declaration on Human Rights is universal. That is, human rights issues are universal issues, and when there are um, massive human rights violations in a country, the international community has an obligation um, to, to act. And, and this is something that we have right now in the UN. I would even say it's a kind of a clash of cultures, you know, the culture of um, do we go by the rule of law, do we go by um, human rights and respect that, or do we say national sovereignty and other countries um, don't have a say in this. And China is pushing there, by the way, on many occasions also supported uh, by Russia or uh, Russia going in a similar direction. Look at, um, for instance, Syria, supported by China. And there we have to push back. And um, I think it's an obligation of a country of the size and weight of Germany to push back and uh, insist on the universality of the charter of the um, 
Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Well, the, the Biden administration has, of course, recommitted to multilateralism and, and to the transatlantic relationship. Uh, and, and, and President Biden is now seeking cooperation from Europe uh, to push back against China uh, within institutions like the UN, uh, but also more broadly uh, across a range of security, economic and, and, and technology uh, uh, issues. What, what, what do you think Germany's response to Biden uh, should be? Well, um, let me become a bit more, more general in this. And um, uh, let me highlight or, or let, me, um, let me begin where I ended um, my, my, my last response. And this is, um, we want um, to defend international law, the rules-based order, And we want to do this um, um, you know, with all partners. And of course, we want to do it with our um, special partner, um, and that is the United States. But we don't want, um, if I may say this, I used this expression once in the Security Council, we don't see international law as a menu a la carte. So what we seek is a cooperation, um, as we did today together with the United States, uh, with the UK and a number of other countries that joined us, to do it jointly. Jointly in, um, in formulating policy, jointly then also in implementing policy, and um, apply this international rules-based order um, on, on all places and, and apply this Um, so we don't want, you know, I would not interpret uh, German foreign policy as a policy which is, you know, China bashing. No, our policy is to have respect for international law, uh, human rights law, humanitarian law, and do this, um, to do this not specifically with China, but, uh, you know, with regard to um, Russia, with regard to all the many crises that we have worldwide. And this is where We, we want to work closely with the, with the U.S. administration and what we have heard in the speeches by Biden, by the Secretary of State Blinken, where they say they want to support um, the U.N. multilateralism and the rules-based order. So uh, we want to do, do that um, on, on all issues with the U.S. administration. You've probably heard of the term European strategic autonomy. I'm assuming that has made it from Brussels across the Atlantic to New York. Um, Chinese officials are big fans of European strategic autonomy. They talk about it almost as much as, as European officials these days, presumably because it implies more distance between Europe and, and the US. Now, after the trauma of Trump, I, th I think it's understandable for Europe to pursue more independence. Uh, but do you see any risks in, in, in pushing that too far? I, personally, I never used the word European strategic autonomy. Um, and um, I think this is um, also, from, from my perspective, this is um, not the right direction. I think what we have to do is what I said earlier, we have to work with partners together. And autonomy always sounds a bit, you know, you want to, to kind of decouple yourself. Um, this is not the idea. I think what we have to do is to see that um, when there are challenges um, that we have um, in Europe, around Europe, on other um, continents, um, we have to be ready to, as Europe, as Germany, also to play our role and contribute to a resolution. 
And the ideal situation is always, I underline always, to do it together with our American friends. But there are situations where, uh, you know, the United States, um, you know that as much as I do, has a lot of problems, challenges domestically. The Biden administration has clearly said that, you know, once there wants to be, if he wants to focus on some of the things that he would like to improve here. So there may be situations where they say, listen, Europe now, the Balkans, you better look at it. Um, um, Sahel area, Europe, you take care of it, you are closer, why don't you do it? And I think this, this is a situation where we have to be ready. And we have to be ready then with our instruments that we have at our disposal, and the European Union has a lot of instruments there, then to act um, um, uh, alone, so to speak. But, um, you know, the ideal situation is always to do it with our friends and partners. I want to ask you a little bit about China and Russia. Um, obviously, you played a key role in uh, supporting uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel's own uh, Russia policy. Uh, also, during the uh, during 2014, the annexation of Crimea. Um, there, of course, there are there are concerns in the West that Beijing and Moscow are moving closer. Together, I'm I'm curious whether you've seen this at the UN. What what is your feeling about this? Well, I already mentioned that before. That with regard to this um, very central issue about the respect for international law, um, what is more important, national sovereignty or um, human rights? You know that there we we have this conflict with China, and we also have it with. Um, with the, with Russia, I mean, let's not let's not have illusions. Um, Russia violated um, international law in annexing um, uh, Crimea, invading Ukraine. They are violating international law, international humanitarian law in Syria. Um, and um, in Syria, we had this here on the agenda of the Security Council when um, in July of last year a resolution was up for renewal, where, which allowed um, humanitarian aid through the UN, through UN crossings get into Syria. And we were fighting for the optimal solution, what um, you know, the World Food Programme or UNICEF, they all went, wanted us. And it was China and Russia together that vetoed the um, possibility to have the, the women and children in Idlib, four million people, to get um, um, an optimal way um, food and, and medicine. And there they were working together. Um, we cannot change this. We can always, um, of course, offer um, you know cooperation with them and co cooperate with. Um, we should always be open for a, a cooperation. But when Russia and China chooses to um, work together in on these issues, there's not much you can you can do. I want to take a, a step back a bit. Um, as we mentioned, you you spent close to twelve years as Angela Merkel's top foreign policy advisor. Uh, you touched on this a bit earlier, um, but but looking back on those years, do you feel that Germany and the West more generally misjudged where China was headed? I said earlier that there is a, a there was a change in Chinese policy when you look back um, from President Hu to President Xi, um, but um, you know. It was from the very first day a very conscious decision by the Chancellor to um, pay special attention to, to China. She has 
been visiting China um, practically every year. Um, she has developed good relations to the Chinese leadership. She wants um, China you know, to engage China politically, economically. And I think this is absolutely the right policy, if I may say so. You know, you have to talk. You have to talk and you have to... But on the other hand, of course, you have to stay principled. You have to defend international law, international humanitarian law. And um, I remember um, you know, early on, uh, I think it was um, when we met first time, 2006, that the Chancellor um, uh, invited the Dalai Lama into the, um, into the Chancellery. And um, she has raised um, human rights issues. She has met um, in China with, um, um, you know, the, um, with the lawyers of dissidents. And uh, she has done um, a lot of things. She always raised um, you know, human rights issues. Um, but at the same time, what is very important to stay in touch, to be on, on speaking terms, to see that um, you know, on the different areas from um, economic relations, political relations, cultural relations, um, um, you know, we continue to bond, we continue to, to see to it that we, um, that we, that we work together. The, over Even in difficult times, we have this um, you know, intergovernmental consultations, and uh, I think it's important to, to, to stay engaged. So, so dialogue is important, but if I understand you correctly, we, we did see a, a, a shift uh, when Xi Jinping came into power in, in 2012, 2013. Um, and, and, that, and that shift, of course, uh, shift in China's direction towards, uh, yeah, a, a, more, a more assertive China abroad, um, and, and a, a rising China economically, uh, you know, uh, China's economy has, has, you know, over the past decade has, um, has the growth has been, has, has been really impressive. Um, but, but this change in direction, uh, does that require a different, a, a change in approach? I mean, we have seen a major change in approach in the U.S. Um, and, and also in Europe to a degree. But I, I, I imagine that uh, while you need to stay, stay engaged with China, you also need to adapt to a, to a different reality under Xi Jinping. Yes, I think the, the principle um, needs to remain the same. Um, engage at, at the same time, you know, defend your values, defend what you, what you stand for. And um, I don't think that there is any, any departure um, from, uh, from this um, policy. What I think we need to um, need to um, now concentrate more on is the fact and and um, this is something which I um, you know reflect to you from my experience here in New York is that we um, uh, you know seeing the assertiveness of China seeing the way that China um, acts also in international organizations in a very um, sometimes confrontational and and very direct aggressive way that we have to adapt to this and um, um, and this means that also we have to react to it and we have to react it uh, together with our partners. I think it is very important that um, we counter the um, China policy which we see here at the UN on many occasions where they pick on individual smaller countries that maybe are economically dependent on them and then bully them into a position which is clearly not in the interest of, of, the, of the country. And the only way 
that you can counter this is by standing together by joint forces and um, uh, continue, and I repeat what I said before, continue to engage with China, talk with China, talk to the, our, our Chinese, um, Chinese um, um, partners, you know, what we think. You know, one of the first visits I paid um, when I, to when I arrived in, in uh, New York um, was the previous Chinese ambassador, and I, I asked to see him, and I told him, um, you know, there are two points which, um, you know, are very important. One is an issue um, that um, we haven't mentioned yet. This is a reform of the Security Council, um, where we believe it needs reform and Germany, as the second largest donor to the UN system, uh, needs to have a position which reflects that in the Security Council. And uh, I asked the Chinese ambassador to stop its opposition, because after all, um, we have a comprehensive strategic partnership, which was also asked for by China. So I assume, and the second one, I told him very early on that for us, um, rules-based order and human rights is an important issue and that I would um, uh, raise this issue here. So I was very open about this policy. Um, and I think we have to do that. We have to tell our Chinese partners that this is what we stand for. And um, then we have to, to see that we, we counter that. And uh, it's only if you do that together um, and you stick to the principles, if you stick to the charter, um, stick to actually, when I talk about the rules-based order, stick to what um, is the basis of my country, Germany, and is the basis of the European Union. The European Union, the most successful um, you know, project in Europe, which brought peace and, and stability and, and in Europe uh, longer than in any other period. It's a union which is built on the rule of law. And I think this is something that here also at the UN we have to, to fight for. And, and um, uh, we have then also to, to call a spade a spade if we see that this is in danger. And, and, and comprehensive strategic partnership is not at odds with systemic rivalry. They can coexist. Well, this is perhaps a rhetoric question. Um, I mean, we, we, of course, you have partnerships and uh, you can be, um, you know, on, on some issues, you, you are of a different opinion. But um, I think what for me a partnership is that you also um, then discuss differences and, and you should accept differences and you should then also be ready to, um, um, to, um, to talk about this and, and maybe reflect about this and not, not bully your partner. Well, Ambassador, uh, I'm conscious of the time. Perhaps one final question. Your four years in New York are coming to an end this summer. I understand you'll be retiring after 40 years as a diplomat and returning uh, to Germany. Can you shed any light on, on your plans, what, what, what you're planning when you, when you come back? I'm looking forward to go back to to uh, Germany to be with family and um, and and then of course I will I will engage I will um, um, love to go back into football stadiums and and watch Bayern Munich play and with the rest you know let me quote uh, der Kaiser who has said schauen wir mal okay we shall see indeed. Uh, Ambassador Hoiskin, thanks again for joining me. Uh, I look forward to seeing you when you're back in Berlin. And, and thanks also to everyone for listening in. Don't miss my Watching China in Europe newsletter each month and stay tuned for more discussions about the Europe-China relationship on the Watching China in Europe podcast in the months ahead.
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Out of Order, a German Marshall Fund podcast. The show is produced by Zachary Tarrant and me, Sydney Simon. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.